The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. time of the week where we close with a song rejoining to do so from the saturday evening post it's troy brownfield greetings greetings teenage dirtbag is where we're talking about today comes from the self-titled debut album from the band wheatus it was also the pinnacle soundtrack song to the 2000 amy heckerling film losers starring jason biggs and mina suvari uh, the song was uh, absolutely huge in Australia, going three times platinum, the second best-selling single of that year for Australia, uh, five million copies worldwide, and it did not chart in the U.S. <laughs> on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, it was Oops. number seven on the Alternative Songs track chart. Uh, the album contained single, the other uh, the other singles of this album were "A Little Respect" and "Wanna Be Gangstar," and it peaked at n- the album uh, peaked at number seventy six on the Billboard 200. Which, yeah, okay, so a little context here. That song was absolutely pervasive. The video mm-hmm. got played a lot. You heard it on the radio all the time. But right. the key thing you said is the year 2000, Yes, which is, of course, Napster year. Yep, <laughs> and, indeed. And th- this was uh, probably a good example of Total Request Live does not equate album sales. Yep. That became, yep. and then MTV evolves over the next decade to, you know what? These music videos aren't selling people albums. And our ratings, yeah. our reality shows and stuff are getting you know, jackass. MTV's fear is the start of, hey, we're making quality yeah. programming. And and now it's 12 hours of ridiculousness. Yes. Uh, you might be asking why in a panic week we are doing... Uh, this one, uh, but let me tell uh, tell you what singer guitarist Brenda B. Brown tells about the song. Quote unquote. He it came from the summer of 1984 on Long Island when I was 10 years old. That summer, in the woods behind my house, there was a satanic drug-induced ritual teen homicide that went down, and the kid who did it was called Ricky Casso, and he was arrested wearing an ACDC T-shirt. That made all the papers and the television, obviously. And here I was, 10 years old, walking around with a case full of ACDC and Iron Maiden and Metallica songs, and all the parents and teachers and the cops thought I was some kind of Satan worshiper. So that's the backdrop for this song. So, voila, Teenage Dirtbag fits the products of the panic. Um, This was a requested song uh, video to do. Uh, for this show, and I was like, I don't know and then I took two seconds, I looked it up, and I was like, oh, well, you know what? It actually fits an ongoing series. Weedus, Teenage Dirtbag. Troy, familiar with the song? Not only am I familiar with the song, yeah. but I actually saw Weedus live oh. in 2000, October 2000, at the Vogue of Indianapolis. They're in a package tour with Harvey Danger and SR71. Oh. That is like the perfect lineup for that. Like, yes. Okay. Flagpole Center, Teenage Dirtbag. 
SR seventy one was the headliner. Harvey Danger is in the middle, and Weed is open. Um, okay. Of special note, he he's not in the band now. The only member of the band that's still in it now is Brendan Brown. Like everybody else is kind of rotated mm. out like many of those bands, but um, Phil Jimenez, who was the percussionist, not the straight up kit drummer, but okay. the percussionist and keyboard player and whatnot. You see him in the video. That guy was a dynamo live. He played all kinds of stuff. He was constantly moving, dancing, like percussion, everything that guy made. He elevated the whole stage presence. And I remember we just being a very good live band in part because that guy was okay. just incredible. You know, you always have like a feature member of a band aside from the lead singer, you know, frequently it's the guitar player or whatnot, but this guy was, you know, super entertaining. So I like those little snatches of him in the video where if you just kind of look where he's off to the mm-hmm. side, he's still doing crazy shit. I'm going to have to know, watch that again. Oh, dancing and, uh, the little respect video kind of showcases him a little bit okay. more. Did you ever, uh, did you ever see gravity kills live? I did not. Oh, their keyboardist was on another level like he had this, like a, two of them like a stand and they like spun and like he it was pretty cool. oh that's that's yeah. awesome yeah so i i have a great memory of the song and uh throughout um introducing my kids to songs of the 90s and stuff like that you know this was certainly a song that i played partially because they're familiar with iron maiden <laughs> yeah <laughs> This is a weird when it came out. This song was in a like world unto itself. Like there was yeah. nobody that sounded like Weedus. I think the closest yeah. thing at the time there was a, that cover of uh, the NWA song by that oh, one band yeah, that Boys was really, in the Hood. Boys yeah. in the Hood. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was about the closest thing I could say to that. But that, they're two different things, and I took to it like right away. Um, I never saw the movie Loser. I can't remember if I did. Well. <laughs> I think I might have, but I don't. I don't remember it enough I, to. Yeah, I did, and I have barely any memory of the movie at all. I have to revisit I, that down the road on the show. <laughs> I just remember Biggs being a sad sack. Yeah, through, it was. It was like we got two of the American Pie kids in a movie. Here you go. Yeah, exactly. It was. It was almost the, like the follow up, right? I mean, right. It was, yeah. It was Pirates like ninety nine. They were supposed to be the next breakfast or Rat Pack was the American Pie group that was like oh they're all gonna bust out biggs got used a lot klein was supposed to be this big deal out of it and the funny the funny thing is the the established one the rookie of the year kid was that was like yeah. the end for him um yeah but uh, the rest coming back yeah savari she had american beauty too around that same year yeah. and uh yeah she was but breaking out pretty big um but yeah, this was a uh, one where there was two of them from it, and this is before American Pie two, so this is in between ninety nine and oh one, I believe, is when or no, oh, was it yeah or oh, was it oh two? No, it was oh one. American Pie two came out. Um, but yeah, I never. It's Amy Heckerling who did Clueless and Fast Times. Like, yeah, I can't remember. I don't know why I can't remember not seeing this movie, but. Yeah. Well, I, from from what I remember, it's not very good. I just don't remember yeah. much of it. I remember I mean, Biggs in the hat, like that's yeah, and that Mina Savari was in it because it was like, oh, now he's in a movie going for her instead of Allison Hannigan or Shannon Elizabeth. So right, he just needed a movie with him and Tara Reid as a couple. Then he was a- <laughs> Sharknado Nine. Yeah, Jason Biggs most recently was on the. Uh, a Law and Order backdoor pilot episode for mm. a show that did not get picked up. 
this okay. past year. You know, they have SVU and organized crime right now. There was going to be a show that was Law and Order Hate Crimes. Oh, oh, I did hear about that. Yeah, okay. And Donald Lowe was going to be the lead with Jason Biggs and some other characters, and they did a whole episode of SVU with the Hate Crimes guys. But okay. Uh, NBC didn't want to pick it up probably because they thought it was probably like a hot potato or whatever. They so Dick Grove was like, "Fuck it, we'll bring back regular Law and Order," and that's like why they did the regular Law and Order. If yeah. crimes hadn't happened, they wouldn't have done that. Right. You know, hmm. but it's it's a very weird thing. But yeah, Biggs and uh, you know, even even if you didn't have the film, Biggs and Suvari are perfect for the video because the video is yeah. original thing that ties yeah. into the movie a little bit but it's its own entity yeah he looks like he does in the movie uh she does uh and they're probably using sets from the movie but this is shot as its own thing um she plays his love interest in it and they he's sleeping on some stairs at the beginning uh just kind of p- yearns for her around school she seems to have like a boyfriend or something but then they go to prom yeah. And uh, she's got two tickets to Iron Maiden, baby. And invites him to go to Iron Maiden, and he things are good with them, and he wakes up. Oh, poor Jason Biggs. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the, the, probably the most notable thing that a lot of people who hear it once or twice and kind of have a vague memory of it, they probably mm-hmm. remember the frequently excise or back masked over lines. Uh, her boyfriend's a dick. He brings a gun to school. Right. And, and he'd simply kick my ass if he knew the truth, which ass gets blanked and yep. gun. Gun gets blank. Uh, this is a another thing. Columbine uh, got yeah. the gun because this song was written before Columbine happened. And uh, when it finally hit radio and stuff, that was off. And gun still gets taken out of like, I remember MIA's song, um, Paper oh, Planes. Yeah, Paper Planes. Yeah, that ching, ching, yeah all yeah. that stuff got. Get taken out the violent stuff and a lot of rap songs. Yeah, uh, gun but, and stuff. Oh, but that, Janie's got a gun is fine. Yeah, though <laughs> yeah, no, that never got censored. Fuel song, Jesus or a gun, was on the radio. It was Jesus or a yeah, and nothing. Uh, they didn't even put a word or anything. But uh, they, yeah, they it said like they changed it to his boy. Her boyfriend's a prick yeah. for the radio, and then he brings a <laughs> to school. Yeah. Well, it, that shot in the in the video, like Brown rolls his eyes over mm-hmm. the. It, it reminds me of uh, when when the Stones played Sullivan and they changed "Let's Spend the Night Together," "Let's Spend Some Time Together," and you've got that close up of Mick where he just kind of goes, you know, where he's like, "I know right? this is bullshit," and you know, I feel like Brown might have been kind of like signaling that. Sure. I. That. Speaking of, I do like the, their attire in this is so... Um, 2000. Was it All-American? Re- who's the... You got the music. Oh, well, New Radicals. New Radicals. It was like, it was like, hey, we've got their clothes left over from this music video. You want to wear them? Like, okay. Like, it, yeah, it, it, it feels like, yeah, the New Radicals. Like a, a merging of that, like some ska stuff. You got some bowling shirts going on and... You know, bowling for soup. It's they're all dressed kind of like the same way. It's right. Same, yeah. Same period. Those little that hat that just. Yeah, I think Fred Durst wore those too. Um, yeah. Videos. It's uh, directed by Jeff Gordon, not the race car driver. Uh, <laughs> his only other credit is the weedest video for "Wanna Be Gangster," and there is so when 
he's going down the stairs at school. There's a sign in the background, and it says, like, Jeff Gordon is a, and I can't see what else it says. So I'm like, there's his cameo right there. Because it just, I was like, does yeah. that say Jeff Gordon, the director Jeff Gordon <laughs> of the Weedest Teenage Dirtbag music video, Jeff Gordon? So I was like, okay, clever. It's got his own name in there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, a decent little video. Um, it, the song itself really does feel like the ultimate like nerd dweeb like anthem power ballad. Like, yeah, it's perfect. Like, and it's like sound everything. I know uh, probably of its era, but yeah, but it it has that uh, very um, late nineties two thousand ish guitar crunch it's on like the chorus it's almost that. like the bridge song between like alternative nation and emo which was about to hit yeah yeah Except it, it's happier it than emo but yeah but it's it's got that vibe though it's the but you know it's it, the verse structure is almost folky in yeah. a way yeah well t- like very much um it's like the two sides of alternative rock because you always had like the, the sort of arena side of alternative rock from the nineties, you like your Pearl jam side and, you know, but then you also had your smaller acts or a lot of rootsy mm-hmm. acts like, you know, Rusted Drews or sister Hazel or whatever. So you have like a little bit of that with the guitar right. kind of sound and the egg shaker and things of the, you know, the, the guitar drop <laughs> yes oh yeah um there's a always a lyric that um sounds weird to me in this the uh he drives in iraq like yeah. i think it's supposed to be wreck but it's trying to rhyme with the previous line it's always stuck out to me it's like okay fine do you remember the iraq yeah <laughs> <laughs> the i ride the car or yeah yeah no Oh, see, th- this is, I, I feel like there's like a car a crash noise in the track. So I always thought right, I was talking right. about like crash in the car. No, like there, it's a Trans Am like mm. vehicle, the IROC. So he drives an IROC. I thought that was IROC. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like I okay. hyphen ROC, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay. Because I always heard the car crash noise and I assumed it was talking about, it was his clever way of trying to rhyme the word wreck. But okay. Oh, IROC Z, uh, the the Camaro that thinks it's a Corvette. The IROC Z <laughs> Camaro was first introduced <laughs> in 1984. <laughs> All right. Hey, that would have been his time. He was writing, thinking about this song, getting picked on in 10 years old. Yeah, she- Chevy Camaro IROC Z. Gotcha. That ran from 85 to 90. So Interesting. Um the I uh, got that the movie Loser was called out via a marquee while he's eating lunch. Uh, and while this this had no success like in America, which seems just so weird, uh, it was nominated for Best Video at the Kerrang! with an exclamation point awards, which is a British magazine because people liked yeah. it there. People liked it in Germany. People liked it all over the world except the country that they spawned from and uh, the movie's from. Like, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's it's kind of a hard one to figure. If, uh, apart from, like, two thousand was a really packed kind of music year, and a lot of stuff was in transition. Mm-hmm. Um, the new metal stuff was still going on, but you'd had Woodstock '99 already, which kind of blew right. up in faces of like Limp Bizkit and 
porn by association. And there's a really big hip hop ascendancy with DMX. And, you know, there's, mm-hmm. it, it's one of those years, 2000 is very much one of those years, people are trying to figure out what the next thing is. Right. It was the alternative nation was on its eclipse there. Like, yeah. and it'd be going to like, what the emo stuff. And, um, I don't know where rock was, right? Rocking the OOs was an interesting time. Yeah, like what is it, O two, O three that you start to get like the strokes and the killers and oh yeah, yeah, lot, that's right. Yeah. Like new turns on mm-hmm. there's a lot of good music from that. No, you there is. It's just look at it. Yeah. Just, you know, it's there wasn't certainly the day to day documentation of it that there was with MTV in the nineties. I mean, you knew kind of to a certain you see the the meme go around a lot that like these albums all came out within 40 days of each other in 1991 which is like guns and roses usual illusion one and two uh metallica's black album uh never mind uh pearl james 10 blood sugar sex magic by the chili peppers like those albums really did come out in one month <laughs> yeah well i mean all like, of them on the same day september what, 24th yeah because like pearl jam and you know chili peppers the expectation wasn't to like be number one it was like hopefully we make a return on investment here so it's yeah. not it, it didn't have the stakes we would have thought that legendary album had now like it's that yeah. guns and roses 100 percent. that thing needed to hit number one and sell like break records and stuff but the red hot chili peppers pearl jam well hope they yeah. do well Geffen thought that Nevermind was going to sell 50,000 copies. Yeah. That, that was that they thought that would be a good job guys. <laughs> we yeah. we moved 50,000. And then uh, you changed girl, the world. Yeah. <laughs> girl says at one point they were selling 300,000 a week. Jeez. You know, worldwide. They were, they were getting these statements back that were like, what the hell, you know, and um, Cobain said, I think it was in a Rolling Stone interview, he went to get 10 bucks out of the ATM and it, he had 150,000 in the bank. And it was just mind boggling that they they couldn't rationalize that yeah. shit was actually going on. It was, you know, he's like, I got to get 10 bucks out of the ATM to get a sandwich and there's, I've, I've got six figures in the bank. He's like, right. The? So, so by this point, by 2000, You've got Napster, you've got like this incredible accessibility to all mm-hmm. this music, but that it, it literally does kill <laughs> everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, the Napster changed everything. And uh, like now, like it feels like it, it leads it to like Spotify's and stuff where music catalogs are just worthless almost, it seems. Like it's the money in them, the what people are making, what they cost, and having. Yeah. Like, what would you like to listen to? Well, what is there? Everything. Yeah, there, there's a uh, there's a big thing going on right now um, of long term artists kind of cashing out, where they're selling the publishing rights and the mm-hmm. recording rights. Um, Dylan recently did it because it's it's Springsteen did it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Dylan just completed the second half, but there's there's like the material rights and there's the publishing rights, you know, so that there's two kind of separate things, but Springsteen and Dylan alone, like their packages together, are like $1.5 billion okay. of worth. Like I think one of Dylan's deals is 500 million bucks. And it's like, these older guys are just kind of like, they know they're not going to be touring anymore soon. Mm-hmm. You know, Springsteen, 
it maybe has one more big one in him. I mean, he's in his seventies. Dylan's older than Springsteen. They're going to, they've got kids, grandkids, whatnot. They're going to cash out and, you know, maybe make some records where they're sitting in a chair or that Rick Rubin's oh, their, their performances are good. I mean, they're not going to be yeah. huge tours. They're going to be small amphitheater. I'm and, in a chair playing like that. Yeah. And that's where they've always made like all the banks. So it's like, they're going to sell this stuff out and, you know, I could probably name like the next five guys if I really thought about it. It's going to be like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Joni Mitchell's doing it. You know, they're all going to, they're all going to go. And so that's going to be like, you know, in a way it's going to be the last time a lot of these people make the big money. Yeah. And fuck it down. So anybody's going to make music after this or make money off of music. after. Right. Yeah. Like you, the, there's a very few people who are actually making money off of it. You know, like you, you either become a spectacle driven touring band, like a ghost, or you become like you reinvent yourself as like the new Carol King, like Taylor Swift, or you jump you on become, the festivals and just keep playing festivals. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, really when you think like Foo Fighters are probably the number one American band in terms of concert draw. And they are literally 25 years old. They're already in the rock and roll. Hall. Right. Yeah. It's insane. So it's like. Who knows? And I think that this kind of like, this is like a really great snapshot of one transition time. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we're looking at it in another transition time, you know, 22 years later, this is, <laughs> oh, so it's yeah. gone but um, to kind of pull back, I feel like we got to talk about the Ricky Casso thing, because if teenager bag is about the Ricky Casso case, yeah. Um, Holy shit. <laughs> now, uh, gentle viewers, um, perhaps you want to Google Ricky and then last name K-A-S-S-O because I guarantee you've seen the booking photo. Not the not the mugshot, but the perp walk photo because that picture shows up in any documentary about satanic panic and shit. Mm-hmm. Ricky Casso was the guy with long hair the wild eyes, the ACDC t-shirt and the cops holding his arms back behind him. That's this guy. Yeah. He's not a guy that the got acid arrested king. At, yeah. He's not a guy that got arrested at a concert. He's a guy that got arrested for <coughs> taking part in a LSD and PCP driven murder. <laughs> that I'm sorry. I don't mean to be laughing <laughs> at the, the murder part, but the, but it's, the, the situation is so extreme and so crazy and so ridiculous that you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. And the fact that like Brendan Brown is 10 years old living in this house. So this stuff was going on in the just, woods behind his yeah, house. Just down the road. Yeah. Just behind the house out back. Yeah. We heard something, but, but yeah, Casso, um, he was known for doing drugs, getting kicked out of his home. He was, this goes back to the disaffected youth thing, Brandon. His dad was a high school history teacher and a football coach. Yep. There you and go. Those are the he ones. Could, he was back in and, in and out of his house. Um, and he frequently would like sleep in the woods, but he was also um, into, and I love this, he, this, this story. He often took drugs, mainly <laughs> marijuana, hashish, LSD, PCP, and purple microdots. Uh, that he believed to be masculine, but were most likely low-grade LSD. That was mainly. 
Mainly. Just mainly. Which which leaves, you know, all kinds of cat tranquilizers and shit in the <laughs> in the mix. Who knows? But, mainly list. But um and he was acquainted with the members of a loosely organized group of friends who sold weed and referred to themselves as the Knights of the Black Circle, which, you know, is the most badass name of Knights weed of sellers. Black. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get this? You know uh, the Knights of the Black, the Knights, the, the Knights of the Black Circle. We, we need some weed for this weekend. Who should we got? To? The Knights of the Black Circle. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably cooler name than any of the bands, local bands in town. Yeah. So, but, but this dude, right. Um, here's another quote from this story. Castle allegedly participated in occult ceremonies, mostly in Northport. It celebrated Valpurgis Act, you know, April 30th. Mm-hmm. Faust, look it up. At the infamous Amityville Horror House in 1984. He also expressed to his friends his interest in Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible on at least one occasion. His parents admitted him to the South Oak Psychiatric Hospital, formerly known as the Amityville Asylum in Amityville, New York. For drug rehab and psychiatric care. The if legend gonna, continues. Yeah, if you're going to put your satanic lady child into drug rehab, do not do it in Amityville. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the Amityville Asylum on Elm Street. This is a bad call, you know. <laughs> so, Field trip to Crystal Lake. So the, the dude also, um, you know, he was busted for uh, digging up graves in a cemetery Mm. Uh, but then shortly before the murder, he had pneumonia. He was in Long Island Jewish Hospital. But the, his parents, this is this is a, a, a twist. This is like okay. one of the dudes that was actually into the real shit. And his, par- his parents tried to get him held over for psychiatric care. They didn't think that he should leave the hospital. They took him there because he was sick. But they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> they what? They're, they're like, you need to keep him. Oh. Because he's like, yeah, he, he's got pneumonia. But the conclusion of the psychiatrist was that Casso was uh, showing antisocial behavior, but was neither psychotic nor a violent danger. And so after he got over his pneumonia, they put him out, Mm. which so he's got this guy who's a friend. um, But (laughs) there's uh, uh, Gary, Gary Lars and um, he and Lars had a had a ongoing beef because uh Casso fell asleep at a party and Lowers stole like 10 bags of PCP from him. Oh. And so he had like either returned or uh he did return half the bags, but they promised to repay him for the other bags. But I guess this this beef kind of kept going on. So Casso and a couple other friends, they invited this cat out to you know go to the woods and do drugs. And then it turned into, you know, like the guys beating the shit out of him, and then Casso ended up stabbing him to death. Uh, Jeez. Between 17 and 36 times, including his eyes. Uh, during the attack, Casso allegedly uh, commanded Lowers to, quote, say you love Satan. And Lowers is instead reported to have said, I love my mother, before finally giving in to Casso's demands. Then, this is even more fucked up. They leave the body out. They kind of like cover it up, but they just leave it outside. Uh-huh. They make no attempt to bury it. Casto tells other people he's killed this guy. It takes other kids back and shows them the body. You guys want to see a body that I killed? Yeah. Whoa. And so it's still it's several more days after that that somebody finally calls the cops and gives an anonymous tip. Oh, anonymous and, tip. 
okay yeah and so um so he he i don't know if he gets wind of it or whatever but he tries to like bury it and they end up you know finding the body and everything and so he uh is arrested and just a few days later um he commits suicide by hanging himself in his jail cell oh and so the other two guys go to trial and they're like there's some up and down but they end up getting the one guy uh ends up getting acquitted so that they you know part of it was like to what extent was the other guy involved and everything and uh one of the guys said well this guy you know held him down while he was stabbing the other guy's like the fuck i did and (laughs) since you know the one guy's dead Casso killed himself and everybody like agrees like Casso stabbed this guy like 36 times he ends up kind of you know getting off yeah fading into you know kind of obscurity but the Casso thing like you know they called him the like everybody had a nickname right back then so like the ass king yeah, uh, Knights of the Black Circle. I wish that would have taken off with drug dealers across America. Like, we need a cool name. <laughs> like, who's your drug dealer? Uh, Sam. Down, <laughs> he lives down the hall. Like, this yeah. Is, so well, they, I get from the Knights of the Black Circle. So, so this goes back to the thing I said um, in our uh, sixty minutes D and D episode mm-hmm. that for every. 40 guys that the media alleges had some satanic thing going on. This guy actually kind of did. Yeah. But, but it seems like again, overwhelming drug and psychiatric problems. Right. Yeah. That, that stuff's always going to find a manifestation in some way. And, you know, you start to unlock the deep corners of the mind. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Like, yeah, paranoia can do crazy things once you're high off drugs. Like I had a, I had a friend in high school or whatever, like he was got like into drugs and he kept like thinking like gangs were after him. And there was like construction tape on some telephone pole because the park by his house, because they were doing construction, but he swore up and down. It was some gang marking his territory because they wanted him taken out. And like, it was just the paranoia of like drugs. It's like. Dude, it is fucking construction. Like, there's yeah. another tape down there. Like, <laughs> but you couldn't tell them otherwise. <laughs> not, not, uh, not sequitur, but it's it's a great story. But it goes with the gangs marking their territory. Yeah, um, we um, go to Chicago Comic Con a few years ago. with my friend David Pepos, comic writer David Pepos, with Spencer and Locke. Check him out. Boom. And uh, we we're meeting up with our friend Jamie Trecker, who lived on mm-hmm. the South Side. We're gonna park at his house. Because, you know, it's cool if you have a house you can park out in Chicago because parking's outrageous. But uh, you, they have, there are neighborhoods where you have marked parking. You can park in front right. of the house if you have the tag, you know. So Jamie runs out with the tag and everything, and David's like, is the car going to be okay? And Jamie's like, oh, yeah, the local gang already saw you guys. They know you're with <laughs> me, so it's all cool. And David's like, local gang? I'm like, guys playing basketball across the street. And David's like, those guys are a gang? I'm like, you grew up in St. Louis. like you know but 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 yeah every the gang's got their thing but like man i love this night's the black circle thing it's so good horrible story but holy shit but yeah can they make shirts for knights of the blacks like i would buy a knights of the black circle shirt like prices on the back you know oh 
that, but yeah, man, the, the, what a weird story that like teenage dirtbag of all songs can. It's the origin it. story of teenage dirtbag. Like it's That's, so crazy. But yeah, you know, in, in a sad way, like Brendan Brown's experience is reflective of so many other kids. Yeah, that all this shit's going on, and it's like, oh, I've got Iron Maiden in my tape case. I got to keep my head down, right? Because they're gonna they're gonna threaten me like they did Brandon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, like. Insane. Come for me. But yeah, you know, it's like obviously musicians got a lot of it from, you know, uh, they're held up to larger scrutiny. Right. For drugs and iconography and everything. Worshiping Satan. Um, Yeah. I mean, Whitney Houston wasn't even safe as we found out last time. Like, so. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's funny, too, because some bands evolve a certain way, like Judas Priest. You know, if you look at the early Priest stuff when they were on British TV, like Old Grey Whistle Test, everything, they were hippies. Like, mm-hmm. Alfred had really long blonde hair, and they had, like, the Robert Plant flowy shirts. Right, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, um, because Rob Halford was a gay man who frequented, like, leather bars and stuff, he started wearing, like, the studded outfits, and the rest of the band is like, this is pretty cool, let's wear that. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you know. And so all of a sudden they're like black leather Judas Priest living after midnight, right. you know. And it's it, it, then like all of a sudden people think that they're like a devil band, they're right? Like, yeah. What happened? Like I'm gay, you know. I'm not. <laughs> you know, like what? what what's, what are you doing? I'm people gay. Are, these are my posing. Ba- this is my poser backup band here. Like what? yeah, like they're getting sued for causing suicides. So they're like, all we did was put on leather, you know. It's just, Oh, yeah. Leather and breaking the law. Um, Teenage Dirtbag, though, recently had like an out of nowhere resurgence uh, a couple years ago on social media when they did an acoustic rendition for a Paste magazine. They did, uh, there's a thing NPR does, the Tiny Desk concert. This is kind of like that. And he did a performance of it. It's really, it's really nice performance, but I remember that uh, trended pretty hard. For, uh, for a bit and got articles written about it, but uh, it did have a little bit in 2019, I believe that was. Yeah. yeah. I, if, if you're not familiar with the song, I definitely encourage people to check it out. It is mm-hmm. a fine tune it's and it fun. is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It plays it's, around, doesn't take itself too seriously. Like it's a storytelling, it's it's eventful. Um, it's like characters, dialogue and stuff, like in voices. It's It's fun. It's a really fun song. Yeah, you should also listen to it in flagpole, sit it back to back to get the uh, yeah. vibe to see them in concert together. There you go, yes. Flagpole Sitter, that'll come someday here. That was from the Disturbing Behavior soundtrack, which that just featured clips from the movie, not nothing shot yes. for it. Um, yes. Katie Holmes. Oh, and uh, the SR-71 big song at the time was Right Now. The song oh. Right now. Not to be confused with Van Halen's Right Now. Yeah. 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 Right Now. Which had a legendary music video and then was used for Crystal Clear Pepsi. Uh, what a sad association. Yes. But that is for a future trip down the music lane. Uh, and that'll wrap up this week on the show. Troy, uh, your presence is always beloved here uh, from above and below. Uh, so where can people uh, find your stuff and keep up with you over this weekend? As above, so below. Um, I am a staff writer for the Saturday Evening Post, so SaturdayEveningPost.com. Um, this week, I'm actually working on um, a thing that goes well with Satanic Panic. I'm working on some stories about the uh, most frequently banned books. Oh, yeah. Okay. So by the time this episode airs, you ought to be able to find that article, um, among other things. 
And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Troy Brownfield. All right. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work at WiseNoBlue.com. The Brad Peter Show returns all new next week with my first ever Star Wars related episode, something that doesn't create debate or controversy, unlike the, the panic stuff. So uh, until then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.